Climbers, whomever owns the traffic rules the road. We're going to unpack a Billboard article about Taylor Swift that will or should shock you and excite you. Right now, you, the indie artist, still have a massive advantage over the big labels, big management, a.k.a. big money, if you adapt before they do. You still have Blue Ocean, but you must adapt before they do. So let's unpack what has now been proven to be possible. Welcome to the club! This is a show dedicated to helping singers, songwriters, and indie artists like you create leverage in the music business. Leverage is what you're gonna need. They are buying small businesses. They, the people, the industry, the people who move the levers that can take your career to the next label are not interested in your talent so much as they're interested in your business. Mm-hmm. And that is created around your talent. So it's indirect now, but it's up to you. It's why we called it the Climb, C-L-I-M-B, creating leverage in the music business. That is from my good friend and co-host, Mr. Brent Baxter, who's also happens to be a hit songwriter with cuts by Alan Jackson, Randy Travis, Lady A, Joe Nichols, and more. Got hit number ones in Southern Gospel. He's got cuts all over the place. Got a top 10 in Australia? Top 20? It, it ended up being like number 30 for the year, I think. Okay. So it ended up being top 40 for, like for the year-end chart, which is pretty fun. So I don't know where it's sitting right now, but... That's good. Yeah. And uh, but most importantly, what I love about Brent, because this involves you, is he helps songwriters like you... Like humans turn pro by revealing how you write like a pro, do business like a pro, and then he connects you with the pros. When your act is together, it's time for you to meet some people who can take you to the next level. And man, this is your source right here. You can find Brent very easily at songwritingpro.com. Once again, that's songwritingpro.com. And I would like to introduce you to my co-host, Johnny Dwinell. Johnny owns Daredevil Production. They're breaking artists digitally by identifying new fans through data. If you're an artist looking to increase your streams, blow up your video views, sell more live show tickets, and get discovered by new fans, TV, and music industry pros, then Daredevil Production can help. Daredevil has worked with multi-platinum artists like Colin Ray, Tracy Lawrence, Ty Herndon, and Andy Griggs, just to name a few. You can find Johnny at DaredevilProduction.com. That is production, singular, no S. There is no S because there is no other. Johnny D. Big news. Big news. Why don't you share the big news? I got engaged over hey, Christmas. And the crowd goes wild. <laughs> ah. <laughs> yes. Congratulations, brother. I'm so happy for y'all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Popped the question to Janelle. And she said, yes. That's yes. So, And I just love that. She's going to be Janelle Dwinelle. I know. From day one, from our first date, that hit me. Yeah. And not because I was thinking about getting married or anything, but I, I just, I go to a movie quote. And if you know the movie, the wedding singer with Adam Sandler. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, her name is Julia. And he's like, what's his last name? Gulia. Like, Wait, if you marry that guy, you're going to be Julia Gulia. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, yeah. He's like, no, nah, that's stupid. Like, <laughs> I'm like, if we get married, your name is going to be Janelle Dwinelle. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, what are the odds of finding the girl whose name rhymes with your last name? I know, right? It's awesome. Chanel. <laughs> Which is what her daughter calls her, Chanel. Chanel. Because like, if you've seen pictures of us on Facebook, I mean, the woman has got hair. Like, <laughs> hair that is just 
so good it pisses other women off. Like, <laughs> well, let's just say it's polarizing here. It's it polarizing. Absolutely love it, or they absolutely hate it because it's like so big. Like, it's uh, the all the writers call her either Shania Fawcett or Farrah Twain. <laughs> One of the two, because she's got big hair. Y'all are such a good couple. It's all hers, yeah. Y'all are such a couple. (laughs) It is. And, and, you know, the things that turn me on about Janelle, watching her work a room, Mm. I'm just like, look at her go. Like, yeah, (laughs) I've met more songwriters because of her. You know what I mean? (laughs) It is a business doing pleasure with you. No. Yeah. It is. It's good with her. It's just so fun. So well, that's awesome. I'm happy. We we're Emily and I were excited to get that call. Yeah, right, so, we we're excited. That was to call awesome. You. Yes. So, all right. Before we went social with it. I want to make sure all the club, the, all the besties know. Well, thank you. That's awesome. So today, man. Wow. All the proof is right here. We're going to unpack this article in Billboard about Taylor Swift and just talk numbers because mm-hmm. the numbers don't lie because the numbers can't talk. Right. Okay. So, but boy, do they have a story to tell and they have a story to tell. And I'm going to tell you something right now. When you're listening to this specific episode on this podcast, if the thought at any given point enters your mind, step one, be Taylor Swift, shame (laughs) on you. Right. Because this is, you should be bowing down before her going, wow, thank you. You just ran the four minute mile. And now I know that I can too. Mm-hmm. because that's what she did. That's exactly what she did. And we're going to talk about what does this make possible? One of my favorite Brent quotes. So <laughs> from stolen from Michael Hyatt. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, I heard it from you. So. Yeah, we go. <laughs> You're my guru. I heard it from you. <laughs> uh, before we do that, let's take care of a little business here. Yes. Join the climb community on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the climb community. Easy to find. I got to ask to be let in. We let everybody in. And then Ava Page just joined. See that? That was fun. Oh, yes. (laughs) And you just got to be good boys and girls. If you got something that will benefit the community, put it in the main feed. Mm -hmm. If it benefits you, we want to hear that too. We want you to benefit. But it's at the right place. Like We've got Mondays for, is it new music on Mondays, right? Yeah. Yeah. New music Monday. And then Wednesday wins, which is called New, New Heights. Heights. And that's where we want to talk about your your wins. And let's talk about some of those, like share some of that stuff. But just you just add it as a comment on the post, guys, because that's mm-hmm. where you're going to get the love and respect. If you put that kind of stuff in the feed, you're going to get disrespect. That's right. Well, for one thing, let's put it this way. Oh, just the way Facebook works, if you just do your own post in the group, most people aren't going to see it, right? Yeah. But like in the, say, New Music Monday. Oh, this is brilliant. Music I know Monday. Somebody post their music and you post your music. Doesn't Facebook tend to alert you that so-and-so posted on an account on a thread that you posted on? Yeah, you're going to get more attention if you put it in the right place. Right. Yeah. So you put it in the right place. Algorithmically, algorithmically it's advantageous. <laughs> it's algorithmically advantageous for you to put it in the right spot because everyone that's posting there, it's more likely to just say, hey, so-and-so posted on the thing that you're that you posted on. Right added a comment to a post that you commented on. There you go. Which makes the spammers who join this friggin' community and put like crap in the feed. I mean, we already know they don't listen to the podcast because we talked to them about not doing that. Right. Number one, but number two, you're even dumber. You're even dumber. 
because you're not that, even- because you don't understand what the hell the platform is doing and you right. don't understand how you're missing the gas that you could get from there if you just did it the right way exactly you don't <laughs> even spam effectively that's right <laughs> if you're gonna be a shit-ass spammer at least be the best there is like <laughs> <laughs> yeah at least be good at it exactly <laughs> at least to let us admire the game <laughs> but no that's what my uncle used to tell his kids he's like look we just want you to be the best you can be you know if you're gonna be a doctor be the best doctor there is it's gonna be a delinquent be the best delinquent yes. that you can be like, like be lex luther you know <laughs> <laughs> be a super villain, if you're gonna exactly. be a villain. <laughs> don't be like a minion like before yeah. the movie like not yeah. the cool ones the yellow pill shaped dudes no <laughs> don't be just a what are the uh, galoot? Yeah, galoot. <laughs> so anyway, what do you got for wins? <laughs> All right. Sean Squires, climber Sean Squires says, has six songs taken at a recent pitch opportunity. Of course, in this industry, it's all spaghetti on the wall. Just hoping something sticks uh, for that next cut. Have to keep that head down and drive forward. Keep writing y'all. So yes, Sean, congrats on that and, and good luck. Yeah, I'm Sean. And so, you know, Sunday Joe and Taylor Hughes are giving shout outs as well, you know, because why they saw it because it was in the right spot. Let's see here. What's another one here? And I want to shout out to Sunny Joe. She just got a hold from one of your play for publisher things, right? Yeah, she had a song in the on hold stack. So yeah, so the Sean thing that was a different pitch opportunity than what we're doing at Songwriting Pro. And uh, but yeah, Songwriting Pro, we just announced our top ten and on hold songs for the upcoming play for publisher with Michael August, mm-hmm. climb guest song title challenge. Yep over at Demolition Music. So found the ten songs and the ten on hold songs, and so Sunday Joe had a song i think in the top 10 and also one in the on hold or something like that so anyway some good stuff going on there and and, and also in there. Uh, and also our limey friend oh yeah paul demarco i mean we had yeah. several people i mean tracy richardson has a song That's not derogatory is it like demarco would laugh at that wouldn't he i'm assuming he would not be offended but hey demarco if, <laughs> if johnny's getting out over skis here let him know okay I was supposed to make you laugh, <laughs> Paul. <laughs> if that's offensive in any way, I immediately regret that decision. <laughs> exactly. Like, I claim American ignorance. Yeah, yeah. I'm a tool. Which is, may not be a good excuse, but it's a believable one. Hey, I'm very I, think, I, I get it. I don't know if that's offensive. I know the term limey. I've known it for a long time, but it's the best. <laughs> it's just so good. In Spinal Tap, dude, when, when they're in the back of the limousine and they're just like the guy, um, I can't remember who the actor is, but uh, he played the limo driver and he tried to talk with the band. The band doesn't want to talk. They just hit the divider yeah. thing in the limo. So it goes up and he's just like, fucking limies. Like, yeah. He's so pissed off because I'm British. <laughs> so... At least, Paul, it's a Spinal Tap reference. Yeah, There's Paul, I love you, man. I really love you. I, like, I, I hope you've laughed at that. So. <laughs> you better find a way to Denmark next year. Yeah, some bitch. Come on. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's see. Let's do another one here. So let's see. Randy Maynard, climber, says, blessed to have a, gotten a couple of Faith Country cuts with David Timms on his new album. So congrats, Randy. And, of course, Sunday Joe and Taylor, they're in there congratulating Randy. So they're... They're in there and they're showing love and that's good stuff too. So congrats to y'all. Keep on climbing. Good job. Yeah. Follow the podcast or subscribe to it and tell a friend about it. Let's get started. All right. Yes. Let's get into this. So Johnny Taylor Swift. Yeah. So this is an article that came out on Veterans Day, November 11th, 2022. Okay. So a little, about a month and a half ago. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, about a month and a half ago. It says, here's how red Taylor's version performed 
compared to Taylor Swift's red in its first year. So this is, well, the, the article will tell you here, and we're going to unpack this. So when Taylor Swift launched her re-recording project in 2021, embarking on a six-album endeavor <sighs> of redoing her first six studio albums following the acquisition of those albums' master recordings by Scooter Braun's Ithaca Holdings in 2019, she did so with a bang. Fearless, Taylor's version, the re-recording of her 2008 sophomore album was released in April 2021 and scored the biggest debut week for any 2021 album at the time with 291,000 equivalent album units, according to Luminate. Jeez. That's a lot. And all these people already have this record. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, by the way, not reinventing the wheel. I mean, that's a greatest hits record, right? That's a remastered <laughs> record. Yeah. Like, the record business has forever been figuring out a way to repackage and sell you the same crap. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I prepaid for my own publishing deal at Major Bob by how many times I bought those Garth Brooks songs over and over and over again. I yeah. felt good about it, by the way. <laughs> I mean, we're talking about the record, about the deluxe record, about the box set, about the greatest hits. I'm like, I come into Bob going, I've already paid for my deal. Why don't you just give me the papers? Yeah, yeah, just, just do it. I'm keeping this place alive. <laughs> <laughs> and I felt good about it, by the way. So, so uh, yes, you should. I mean, it's frick the goat, man. Yeah, yeah, great stuff. So it goes on to say, yet as significant of a commercial achievement as Fearless Taylor's version represented for Swift, Red Taylor's version, her second re-recorded album released last November, proved to be much, much bigger. This was evident upon its release when it debuted at number one with 605,000 equivalent album units. And the 10-minute version of All Too Well shot to the top of the Hot 100 chart. And it's even more clear as it turns one year old on Saturday, November 12th. By the way, 10-minute song. Pays more mechanicals, by the way. Yeah. Counts as more than one song. Yeah, it does. Anything like over five minutes, I think. Yeah. When Red, Taylor's version, was released last year, we compared the commercial performance of Swift's re-recorded Red with the 2012 original on a week-to-week -week basis to see how both projects performed on different platforms. Mm-hmm. One year after its release, we can use a much greater sample size to see how listeners interacted with Red and Red Taylor's version across streaming and radio and sales platforms. I think it's clear that if it's Taylor's version after the record, that's the re-record, right? I think everybody understands that. Yes. From its release day of November 12th, 2021, through the most recent tracking week ending November 3rd, which is 2022... Red Taylor's version has earned 1.94 million equivalent album units, so it's almost double platinum, hmm. according to Luminate, while the original Red has earned 220,000 equivalent album units over the same time period. The units total, and so equivalent album units is like, they're baking, breaking down streams, essentially. Mm -hmm. You get enough streams, it counts like as an album sale. Yeah, so double platinum versus not even gold, gold right? Like not even half a gold. Yeah. Now, I wonder how that measures in, because 10 years ago, I mean, 2012, streaming, I'm not even sure what the state of streaming was then, because there are not nearly as many people on it, not nearly as many people using the streaming thing. I'm wondering how they account for that. But the other thing is, that was new then, and the record's 10 years old at this point. So it's just interesting. The way I'm reading this, hold on, though. The way that I'm reading this is... From the release day of November 12, 2021, through the most recent tracking week of November 3rd, Red Taylor's version has earned 
for million equivalent album units, right. while the original Red has earned it's the same time. So they're talking about the time between November 12, 2021 and November 3rd, 2022. Uh, okay. Okay. So same time okay. period for both. Same time period. So basically she comes out. How is her new version comparing to the old version during the same time period? Right. Because the new version didn't impact the old version until last okay. year. Right? Right. Yeah. So the units total for Red Taylor's version over the past year not only dwarfs the total of the original red but nearly doubles the comparative performance of fearless taylor's version which earned one million equivalent album units in the first year of release hmm. can we just take a breath here and think about this right now like i'm re-releasing a 10 year old album and that re-release is going to go double platinum in a year basically yeah so well okay so let's let's, let's just talk about the similar behaviors okay this is not something new mm -hmm. where an artist re-records their best records Mm -hmm. every artist has done this. I don't like it, frankly. When the 80s bands, like when my favorite bands are, you know, because the label still owns the masters and mm -hmm. they can't afford to get the masters. Mm -hmm. And so they can't go out on the road and sell their recordings. They go and they re-record the stuff. Mm -hmm. So they try to re-record the trading as close as they can to it, but mm -hmm. it never sounds the same. No. It's never even close. And then that's what they'll sell at the live shows yeah. because they make 100% of the profit on it. Yeah, I remember having that conversation with this. I was writing with a guy who was a member of a really successful 90s country band. And this is, you know, like 2010 or something. We're writing together. And he's like, yeah, we're thinking about going in and just re-recording a bunch of stuff because we got to buy our own records from the label to take them out on the road and sell. Like, yeah, we got to buy them for 10 bucks or 12 bucks or whatever from the label. And then we go sell it. And so we get whatever the markup is. He goes, but if we just re-record it, then we get 100%. So yeah, yeah. I've had that conversation with people. Yeah. So. And Colin Ray did it, right? With all his big hits, his greatest hits, mm -hmm. he re-recorded them all. And it's a viable source of income on the road. Yeah. It's a merch table money grab. Exactly. And listen, I support it like on a moral, a business level. I get it. I just, when I say I don't like it, like I don't want to hear round and round by rat the re-recorded version of it. I want the freaking album version. You yeah. Know? You want the jam that you jam to in the exactly. day. Exactly. Yeah. I can tell in a heartbeat. Maybe most consumers can't. I don't know. But I can tell right away. I'm like, oh, that's not the guitar sound. From the first second, I'm like, uh, there's the re-record. Next. <laughs> uh, yeah. It's not the same. Yeah. So the act of re-recording so that you can own the masters is nothing new. Yeah. So what's new? The environment. Taylor Swift. Business. Understands that she owns the traffic. Mm-hmm. And I've had countless conversations about this whole masters thing specifically regarding Taylor Swift and Scooter Braun mm -hmm. with a number of different people because there's a lot of feelings, <laughs> <laughs> a lot of vitriol. Mm -hmm. there's, there's a lot of people got a lot of opinions on this, on mm -hmm. both sides of the argument, right? Everybody's like, Taylor should have those masters. Those are her masters. Mm -hmm. And on a normal situation, if Taylor was signed to a record label, the record label paid for the album. They mm -hmm. own the masters. Whoever pays owns, right? Right. Golden rule. Golden rule. Man with the money, man with the gold makes the rules. And so that's just the way the business has always worked. And there's an argument to be said, well, but it's her art. It's her this, but yeah, but nobody knew about it until the label paid to make it and mm -hmm. also paid millions to put it in front of people right. to make them that popular. So uh, the, the label's got a stake in this uh, business-wise, mm -hmm. and, and it's true. Yeah. Now, 
it gets a little cloudy with Taylor because that label wasn't a label until it was started by her dad with a $670,000 check. Yeah. And Taylor, I believe, or Taylor's dad, probably, I think it's Taylor's dad, owns a small percentage of that label. Mm-hmm. Like he got stock in it, right? I think mean, like 3% or something like that. Hmm. So it's a little weird there, but yeah. still, hey, they went out. But, and you could argue like, okay, so that first record was maybe paid for by her dad, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why she started with the second one. I don't know for sure. I'm just thinking about that right now. Like, why did she start with the second one and not the first one? Yeah. Probably because it was more popular, I think. I mean, I, yeah, there's a reason. Yeah. Yeah. But the second one was paid for from profits that was made by the label, right? Mm-hmm. So, which dad only can account for 3% of that, right? Yeah. So it's business. And ultimately, that's just a sidebar for how this relates to climbers right now. This is interesting, but it, ultimately, it's like, hey, climber, that's not going to affect how you do this. It was, no, it's not. And, but know. the point being that, like, okay, look, she was pissed that she tried to bid to buy those masters, and she mm. wanted to buy them at a price that she thought was fair. Scooter Braun came in and overbid and got them. And she not only was pissed off about not getting her masters, but she also does not like Scooter Braun. She's got beef mm-hmm. with Scooter Braun. Okay, Scooter Braun is huge. He manages Justin Bieber. I mean, he's a, he's a big deal. So she's not happy with that, right? So she said, okay, out of spite, mm-hmm. there's a bit of spite in there, I think. Yeah. She's like, F you, I'm going to re-record these. Mm-hmm. She threatened to do it. And then she did it. Man, you're talking about torpedoing the value of what he just bought. Oh. oh, cut him off the knees. So before Taylor Swift, BTS, before Taylor Swift. Oh, I thought you were talking about the, the K-pop band. <laughs> before Taylor Swift, 10 years ago, you can't do what she's doing. Right. You can do the re-record part, as we've discussed, but the other part. Yeah. And the only people that are going to ever hear that are the people that come to your show. Right. Or the people, the hardcore fans that maybe go visit your website. Mm-hmm. But because maybe you're selling them on your website. Mm-hmm. But not the fans but you're not going to get that in front of an audience because there's no marketing behind it. Right. And what's mm-hmm. marketing? Marketing is reach and frequency. Yep. And you have to be able to reach millions of people, okay? And what made the label so powerful? And I'm using the past tense in this sentence. Pay attention. Mm. What made the labels so powerful was two things back in the day. Number one, it was cost prohibitive to make your own record. Mm -hmm. So you needed a bank to do it, right? Mm -hmm. That's not the case anymore. Yeah, which is a lot of why those re-records didn't quite sound the same. Part of that too. Part yeah, even now though. Like the, the new Taylor Swift recordings don't sound the same. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, I mean, she's got all the money in the world to do it. It's not about the money. It's like the magic. It's the room. It's the players. It's the, yeah. it's what happened on that day. What she had for breakfast. Yeah. You freaking yeah. can't redo it, man. So the, I lost my train of thought there for a second. Oh, sorry. Anyway, back in the day, it was cost prohibitive to. Oh yeah, it's cost prohibitive to do it. So that's number one. But number two is you weren't going to get to an audience without radio. Mm-hmm. And they were the gatekeepers to radio, which is very limited real estate. We've talked about this. Okay. Mm -hmm. So Taylor makes this threat because Taylor knows that she has an audience that listens to Taylor. Mm -hmm. And she said, don't listen to that old crap. Listen to this new crap. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Right. I'm not trying to be derogatory with the word crap. I'm just saying like, this is the new product. That's the old product. You want the new. Right. Well, and the story. And the story. Like her fans are not just pro Taylor Swift, 
they're anti-Scooter Braun at this point. Because mm-hmm. now it's, are you Team Taylor or are you Team Scooter? And you have to have reach and frequency to share the story of that. Because I think the story of that is so powerful. Such a good right, point. For her fans. They're going to be like, no, I am not going to listen to that old version out of principle. Yeah. She can tell that story because, yeah, it's in the news and stuff. It made like mainstream news. But also through her media and everything, she can tell that story. Yes. Which is part of because she has traffic and she can get to that audience and tell that story. And so back to traffic, I mean, mm-hmm. keep in mind when they're talking about 1.94 million equivalent album units, they're breaking down album units as it's now become a derivative of traffic. It's like how many streams that she had mm-hmm. that equates to 1.9 million equivalent album units compared to how many streams the original album had that's owned by Scooter Braun. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she has redirected the traffic <laughs> yeah. in a very, very big freaking way. Yeah. That is unheard of. Unheard of. So digging deeper into the numbers, Red's Taylor version earned 1.5 billion official U.S. on-demand streams over the past year compared to 280.6 million streams of the regular Red. 1.5 billion Versus 280 million. So that is five times more. Not four times more. Four to one. Meanwhile, the re-recorded Red scored 784,000 in album sales over that time period, while the original Red sold 17,000 copies. Oh my gosh. Red, Taylor's version also dominated Red in terms of radio play over the last year. Holy crap! (laughs) She even got him on radio. This gets so much deeper, okay? And this is a vulgar display of power. Everybody drink. Not prowess. Uh-uh. I didn't say oh, prowess. I said power. Take a sip. I got you. This is power. This is my audience, mm-hmm. not your audience. Yeah. I'm Taylor Swift. You're not. Nobody goes to Spotify for Universal. You're right. Nobody goes to Spotify for Spotify. We're going to Spotify for Taylor Swift. Right. Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. I'm curious about, so is her new label the one distributing the Taylor's version? She owns a master. She paid for it, but I'm wondering if it's getting sold. It's getting I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure she's going to use the infrastructure to do that. Well, she would be silly not to. Right. Yeah. But she's like, I own these masters. But yeah, it's a different deal, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. I'll pay you as a service. Right. You make money off of it. So you win. Yeah. So let's talk about this. So. Red Taylor's version, the re-recorded version, also dominated the original version of Red in terms of radio play over the last year, with 211,000 U.S. radio plays of its songs compared to 38,000 plays for the original Red songs. Hmm. That disparity is the most notable difference between the performance of Fearless Taylor's version and Red Taylor's version compared to Swift's original albums. After the release of the re-recorded Fearless in April 2021, radio stations still gravitated towards the original version of the hits of Love, like Love Story and You Belong With Me. But last November, upon the release of Red, Taylor's version, the re-recording of Red, leading U.S. radio station owner iHeartRadio pledged to play Swift's re-recorded songs moving forward. Consequently, Red hits like We Are Never Getting Back Together and I Knew You Were Trouble were played on iHeartRadio stations in their re-recorded forms, and the radio totals of Red Taylor's version songs kept rising. That included Swift's 2021 editions of All Too Well, which were released in both 5-minute and 10-minute versions on the re-recorded Red, with the latter becoming the longest single to go number one in Hot 100 history when it debuted at the top spot last November. The re-recorded All Too Well versions earned 313.6 million U.S. on-demand streams, just in the U.S., over the past year, compared to 26.3 million streams for the original. So 313 times, I mean, that's, good Lord, that's four, eight, that's 11 times the amount of streams. Hmm. And it earned 84,000 in single sales, while the two, 2012 All Too Well earned 8,000. Good God. And although a 10-minute song might be difficult to fit in top 40 radio block, a re-recorded All Too Well did score 14,000 U.S. radio plays compared to a negligible, negligible number. For the original, if you ask me, all the numbers for the original are negligible. Yeah. As previously noted, when comparing the commercial performance of Red Taylor's version and the original version, the re recorded album benefited from fan support of Taylor Swift's sixth album endeavor and more prominent placement across music platforms. The newly released quote from the vault end quote songs which included the 10 minute all too well as well as collaborations with ed sheeran phoebe bridgers and chris stapleton also contributed to consumption totals so she wasn't stupid she put some new stuff in there too mm -hmm. message in a bottle the delightful pop track which was another from the vault song proceeded to win over top 40 radio after red taylor's version arrived bottle scored 135,000 u.s radio plays over the past year reaching number 17 in the pop airplay chart so Guys, we have to think about what happened here. How does she control radio now? Mm -hmm. What does that prove? 
What are the indicators there? Oh my God. Leverage. Leverage. Radio needs listeners more than they need artists. Radio used to own the listeners because there were no other choices. Mm -hmm. So radio could do what radio wanted to do Mm -hmm. and did so for a century, for a hundred years. And now radio doesn't want to rock the boat because radio is just about sunk. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, what if Taylor's like, listen, you play my new old stuff or you don't get my new, new stuff. Yeah. And then let's go to streaming. She could have done that. And also I mean, they just looked at the traffic mm-hmm. on Spotify and they're like, what do the fans want? Clearly the new stuff. Yeah. So if stuff. we don't want to lose a bunch of fans every time they want to turn our radio off, every time the old Taylor version comes on, which we can't afford. Right. We're going to play the new stuff. Giving the radio stations now, giving the customer, their customer, what they want. Mm-hmm. Because who's going to call the radio station for like, I feel betrayed because you played Taylor's new version, not her old version. I'm Team Scooter. Nah. Yeah. But you might get calls about, I'm Team Swifty. So play the new old stuff, not the old, old stuff, because I feel like a betrayal of her. But even listening. Yeah. You guys, this is incredible, right? So right now, you have an, just an incredible amount of power. We have stated this. I want to restate it until you understand that this is unprecedented. You have a blue ocean. All the big money, all the big labels, all the big artists, they're not in your feed. They're not promoting in your feed. Mm-hmm. But you can be promoting in their feeds. I've, I've told the story before, but I'll, I'll reiterate. I was doing some research on trying to write something for Billy Carrington. So I went to his website. I think it was Billy Carrington. I went to his website. On the website, clicked on the video for his latest single, and, you know, so just raised my hand digitally, like big and bold, went to the website, went to the home planet, watched a video. So I'm just doing research here. And then I hop on over to Instagram or Facebook at some point later that day. And I hear the dog that doesn't bark. I'm like, where's Billy Carrington? Like, he should be in my feed right now. Yeah. He should like be blowing up my feed right now. Yeah. Try doing that on Amazon, going to look at a pair of shoes on Amazon and then go to Instagram or Facebook or mm-hmm. your Gmail account or your Yahoo account. And you're going to see that product all over that the place. same picture you looked at. Mm-hmm. They're like everywhere. Yeah. Like until you buy from us, we're not going to let you forget this. Right. This is what Facebook ads does people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Carrington didn't show up. I was like, man, they don't know that I'm just checking it out for professional reasons. Yep. I could just be like, just discovered whatever song it is. I want to find out more. And I'm hungry for new Billy Carrington stuff. Right. And they're not letting me find it or they're not making, serving it up for me. It's like, oh my gosh. How are they missing the boat on this? It's not that hard. It's not that hard. Look, this is astounding. It seems, I think to some degree for the deep thinkers that are listening to this podcast, they think this is like too stupid to be true. (laughs) Yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like it's so freaking obvious, but that is not the way that it works because what you're missing is the dynamics of really, really big organizations mm-hmm. they can't move that fast yeah which is sad because it's been years now there's no excuse they can't move that fast their loss is your gain i mean listen everybody at the big labels are in the positions that they are in largely because they have relationships with what radio mm-hmm. for somebody to come in let's say a company like daredevil to come into a label and say hey we can change your whole world and make your company better 
mm-hmm. and help you sell more product and do it for 10 cents on the dollar. Yeah. Because it's not radio. You're actually going to know who your customer is. Yeah. And you're going to be able to retarget those people for free. Yeah. This is like a wet dream for marketing, except second that you start to do that and people start to realize that when it works, the whole radio promo department's going to go up in flames. Mm-hmm. Humans don't give a crap about the company anymore. <laughs> they care about themselves. They care about themselves. Yeah. And this is human nature. And this has been proven to you time and time again. I mean, Uber came out and the taxi cab company spent hundreds of millions of dollars instead of trying to create an app, mm-hmm. capitalize on the power of their brand names like Yellow Cab, which is an international mm-hmm. brand name on cast. Instead of trying to create oh, an so app. It you out if you see a cab that's not yellow. You're like, ew, is this for real? Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's weird, right? It's creepy. Yeah. Yeah. And instead of doing that and trying to compete, they spent all that money trying to do what? Eliminate the competition. Mm -hmm. Because that's human nature. We don't understand that. So that has to go away. Mm -hmm. And why? Because it goes deep, right? Do you know how much it costs to get a freaking token to be able to be allowed to drive a taxi cab, a medallion in New York City? A lot. I think it's like 60 grand. And every time one of those happens, a politician gets a kickback. And so does like, I'm sure some mafia dude. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So it runs deep on the money chains and everything gets disrupted. So it can't adapt. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? It can't just change because it's the right thing to do. And I don't mean morally the right thing to do. I mean, like, we're going to be sunk if we don't adapt. No, we're going to ride this ship down. All the rats are going mm-hmm. with it. <laughs> yeah. And it's the same thing in the record business, right? There's just too much interconnectivity and money flowing both ways, coming back, going forward, mm-hmm. and all this kind of crap for them to be able to switch like that. Hey, Johnny, I hear that you're changing, you're considering changing the business model. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure where is I fit in here. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so we've got this new contract for you, and your brains or your signature are going to be on it. You choose. <laughs> right. I mean, that's it. So they're not going to stand for it, right? And so, so guys, why are we saying this? You still have this huge window of opportunity to pull your head out of your ass, stop complaining about how you don't understand TikTok and you don't understand social media because that is the biggest blessing that has been put on your lap ever, ever, because you have reach. You can reach, effectively reach half of the people on the planet, mm-hmm. but you've, you've got to figure out how to do it. I mean, I was telling you about how I prepaid for my publishing deal. Uh, Capital Records, which is Garth Brooks' label mm-hmm. forever, until he started his own thing with Pearl. But they had no idea who I was. I bought all those records, yep. all those albums, CDs, box sets, hits. No idea who I was. Could not find yep. me if they wanted to. Yeah. Best they could do is put up a banner in cap at Walmart. I hope I walked by it. Put stuff on the radio, but they couldn't. It's so crazy. It's so crazy. I mean, if all the labels, right, just took all their best artists, their top 20 money-making artists, and put out email capture and device capture Mm -hmm. marketing strategies, they would own all those emails, Mm -hmm. right? And then now we have a new artist. Well, this new artist, you know what? If we put this new artist out on tour with Tim McGraw, his fans would love this new artist. Yeah. So let's put out an email and let's send them an email and free. It's free. Mm -hmm. 
no, no, no. What we're going to do is we're going to spend $400,000 putting this artist on radio tour. <laughs> it's so dumb. Where he's going to go around and try to convince all the program directors across the country to spin their song. Mm-hmm. This is like, good God, this is, you guys, you have to adapt. You have to adapt. And here's where it is. Like, it's your traffic. You own the traffic. I have a thought. And by the way, get the download. Hold on to yours out one second. Get okay. the download. Giftfromjohnny.com. Before I meant to mention this at the beginning, but I did. Mm-hmm. Giftfromjohnny.com. J-O-H-N-N-Y. Whomever owns the traffic rules the road. Learn this. Live it. Love it. Learn it. Now, you were going to say. Sorry. Well, yeah. Just so many young artists, they basically have to pay their way onto a big tour, right? Yeah. It's, it's kind of paying their way on. Well, I mean, even if you get paid, like, even if the headliner is going to pay you, it's not going to be enough to cover yeah. the expenses of touring. So it's you still investment. need tour support. It's, yeah, somebody's got to come investment. out of pocket. Yeah. So it's like if they have, say, Tim McGraw over at whatever Big Machine now, I guess where he is, it's like, okay, hey, this new artist on Big Machine is basically going to buy their way onto your digital tour. So, hey, Tim, why don't you film this video? Hey, I'm here with my new buddy, so-and-so on Big Machine, and he's got a new single out. It's awesome. Like, could you pay for that? Like, basically, you you have them open for you. You're promoing them. You're helping grow their career. Could you do that digitally? And then all the Tim McGraw people on your list, because you've done the digital stuff, the text capture, all that stuff. And they're like special messages from Tim McGraw. And they're like, ooh, let me click on that. And here he is yep. putting this other dude over for the label. And he's getting paid to do it. cross And then all of a sudden, oh, let me check out this single. And more people heard it. And are like, or here, here's a snippet. Do you want to download this? Or do you want a version of this? Me doing the duet with Tim? Oh, I'll download that for free. And now they know that you're also interested in that new artist. And now they start dialing down. And just come on, people. Yeah, but they won't. Why don't they do that? Because you know what? They're still working with radio. Mm -hmm. And radio real estate is so precious and so limited. Because they're trying to make someone famous? If I'm Tim McGraw, I don't want to help this freaking guy out because maybe he's going to end up kicking me off the radio. Right. The way that Tim McGraw did to Dolly Parton. Mm Mm-hmm. Think about that. There are only so many spots. Think about Garth. Garth ain't on radio anymore. No. Not like he used to be. Right. His old songs are, they're going to spin those every once in a while, but they're largely dominated by the new artists. Garth can't get back on the radio. I have seen Garth begging program directors at CRS to put him back on the radio. The GOAT. I was sitting around a campfire with Matt Klein last night. So, Mm -hmm. and we were talking about, and I was at an airport and Hall of Famer artist sat down next to me. I'm like, how you doing? And this is a legacy artist. So I'm just not going to give the name just because whatever. But this is like, and they didn't sit down because they knew me or anything. It just happened airport, flying to Nashville. You know what happens. You got to tell me who the name is after the show. I will. Yeah. (laughs) And anyway, huge legacy artist. And it's everyone knows the name. Influential on so many people that are out now. I'm like, hey, I don't want to bug you, but I'm a pro writer. I've had some cuts of stuff. What's a, are you ever looking for songs anymore? And if so, what's a, what's an appropriate way to get it to you? Because I just have to. I'm like, he sat down next to me. I can't just yeah. not do anything, right? I'll kick myself for years. And he was super nice and super cool. And he was like, oh, man, because we're not really looking for anything new. And basically, because, you know, they're not going to put us on the radio anymore. I get to play these shows and do this stuff, and that's all cool. But he was getting on the radio. That's a lot of work. <laughs> like, And they don't want us on the radio, so it's going to be a lot of work to get on the radio and I don't Which have requires to. a lot of money that they're going to yeah. pay. And yeah. it's like, and I don't have to, I have these other business interests and doing fine. And I get to go play shows. 
when I want to, good shows, all that kind of stuff. It's like, why kind of start over and work to get, no, so they don't really need new stuff. But it's the same thing. Like, wow, these, I mean, they're Hall of Famers. Yeah. You know, they're going to be this dude. and Yeah. Yeah. So do you see, like, if Garth Brooks is basically pandering to CRS, to the program directors, to ask to put him back on the radio, the GOAT, that's the GOAT, mm-hmm. okay, then why the hell does somebody like Tim McGraw, who's currently on the radio, mm-hmm. want to help a guy beneath, like, hey, man, the sun is setting on Tim McGraw, right? Like, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah. Like, the sun is setting. He's had a great career. There, he's right around the corner from not from being right in Garth's position mm-hmm. and not being on the radio anymore. Why does he want to help that? Yeah. Why does the label <laughs> want to help that? Yeah. Have you thought about that? The label doesn't want it anymore, and Tim McGraw wants it mm-hmm. because you know that's the money maker. That's the cash cow. We're gonna ride that surfboard in the shore. We're gonna try to get these guys, these new people, on the radio. But I certainly don't. I want that to happen naturally. I'm not going to ask my number one artist to basically fall on the sword and give up their real estate because there's only, I mean, before a new Tim McGraw song gets on a playlist at a radio station, even though everybody says yes, and they're going to put the new Tim McGraw song on because he's one of the biggest stars there is right now. Somebody else's song has to come off Mm -hmm. to make room for that new Tim McGraw song. You see what I'm saying? That doesn't exist. And the label hopes it's somebody on a different label. Their song they exactly. They don't want to trade it, yeah, pound for pound. They will, but they don't want to. That's not right. ideal. Right. So, guys, this is the end all be all right here. Taylor Swift has just proven to you that whomever owns the traffic rules the road. She owns the traffic because she's the artist. Before Taylor, okay, 10 years ago, you couldn't do what she did. Right. 10 years ago, you could not do what she did. That was 2012. Mm -hmm. 10 years ago was 2012. And Spotify has only been in the United States for a year. Wow. Then in 2009, it came to America in 2011. Mm -hmm. So it took six years or seven years to six years for it to be kind of embraced and work its way into the public lexicon, into pop culture, right? Into people changing their consumption habits to listen to streaming instead of listening to radio. So you couldn't do what she did before, but now she did. Mm -hmm. And so the lessons learned here are you need to focus on the traffic because I want you to be as big as Taylor Swift. But if you're trying to play the old game, you're so far behind. I mean, it's just never going to work for you. You have got to adapt. You have got to think about this differently. And then, my goodness, the power that you have because you're the artist. I mean, this is why the deals are going to change at the record. Do you think that the record industry didn't read that friggin' article and stand up and pay attention? Oh, yeah. Like, holy shit, what's to stop? Is there a clause in a record contract that says I can't go out and re-record this crap? (laughs) My damn self? They might try to start. I don't know. <laughs> That's a really good freaking question, isn't it? Yeah. Like, who owns the publishing, and can it be blocked that way? I mean, I mean, I don't. Wow. I don't know how you could do that publishing wise, but who knows? I don't know. So, what's to stop Tim McGraw from just doing the same thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other than, hey, he's got a good relationship with his label. Mm-hmm. They're both making money together. Right. He doesn't want to rock that boat. And clearly, Taylor was in a position to do that because she's on a different label mm-hmm. than who owned the Masters, right? And right, exactly. so this yeah. label doesn't give a crap about it. And to your point, Brent, I think she probably 
how to deal with that. There was money to be made on Universal there, mm-hmm. you know, through distribution and everything. And so they're going to take advantage of that. Right. And they're, they're making probably 10 or 15% on that mm-hmm. through distribution. So, so there it is, guys. You have the reach. You have social media. You have the reach. Reach and frequency. Basically, it used to be get on the radio to get famous. Now it's get famous and get on the radio, right? Yeah. And you can do yeah. that. You can build your fan base. And you can't become a legacy artist because you're not allowed on the radio anymore. Mm-hmm. It's up to you, yeah. right? To cultivate that garden and you can continue to cultivate it because it's on digital and you have access to all of your fans and everything that you can do. And the labels can't switch fast, but they will switch, mm-hmm. right? And what's going to exacerbate it is when the radio stations start going under. Yeah, That's what's going to start happening. It's going to start happening in the next five years where big, big radio stations are just not going to be able to afford to be on the air anymore mm-hmm. because there's not enough listenership, which means they're not getting enough money on the ads, which means they can't afford to pay for the FCC license and the overhead on the building. It costs us some of those stations like a million dollars a month to be in business. Whew. Okay. And so already you have stations where it's one third of the staff doing three times the work for half the pay mm-hmm. because that's, there's no money. So it's sinking. It's This is real. It's sinking. So as soon as radio starts falling off and going out, well, then guess what? It doesn't matter how the radio promo department, the label feels about it anymore. Mm-hmm. They're just not going to have a job. Yeah. Then the labels will be forced to adapt. Okay. So when all that money that they have starts flooding into your freaking blue ocean that you have right now, mm-hmm. then you're back where you were. You're back where yeah. you were right now trying to play the radio game. You don't have enough money to compete. But right now, you do. Adapt first. End of rant. There we go. All right. So download the uh, <laughs> the PDF. It's free, guys. Whomever owns the traffic rules the road. Learn the ins and outs of why this is the way it is and start putting together your plan. You need to be promoting digitally. You need to be promoting, mm-hmm. okay, organic feed posts on your – that's not promoting. All right. That's window dressing. That's you – you're putting up mannequins with your cool clothes that you just made in the window and people are going to see that and that's effective and it's important, but only for the foot traffic, for the people who come and look at it. Yeah. You're not getting them to the store that way mm-hmm. through window dressing. So own it. All right. That brings us to the end of another Killer Climb episode. Follow the podcast, join the climb community, tell a friend about it. This podcast exists because we want you to win. So keep on climbing. And we'll see you at the top. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 